It's spooky season, and what better way to celebrate the scariest time of year than with the scariest form of human, teenagers. Grab your ice hooks and practice your screams. What are you waiting for? Let's get this show started. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna watch movies that were adapted from books. Let's do this. Welcome to the Real Readers Podcast. And we're going to talk about everything, Kat. Where the pages meet the screen and we talk about everything in between. Books, TV, films, short stories, and comics. With your hosts, Steph and Kat. Show me the mummy! What is up, Real Readers? Welcome back to another episode. I'm your host, Stev. And I'm your host, Kat. Uh, we're pumped. Pump, pump, pump it up. It's, uh, spooky season is upon us. This is the time of the year where I thrive. If only we lived in a state that actually had seasons, Kat. I know. <laughs> that, I know. It, it's, a, it's a cool one for us today, and it probably won't last that long. We'll be back into the, the 90s and 100s probably oh, later this cry. week. But I know. But I'm enjoying what I get right now. I'm wearing I'm wearing a hoodie. Oh my god, sweater weather. I can't wait. Yeah, so I have the opposite of seasonal depression thing. Yes. Do you get do you get pumped up during yes, the fall? I have the winter? so much more energy. Dude, so I am happier. I am thriving. It's during the summer yeah. that I'm depressed. Yeah, I know. I'm just I, I look forward to it, man. I'm like, what? Wait, is it oh it's cold? Yeah, let's fucking do this. Yeah. Yeah, let's do everything <laughs> because we're not gonna be sweating and nasty and I know see, I know exactly. Exactly. Oh, let's go do all the outside stuff. So I'm not sweaty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe, see, maybe seasonal depression is only for, like, those in the upper states where it snows and you're stuck in your house. True. Mm. But see, it's funny, though. You're stuck in your house up north. Well, I feel like I'm stuck in my house during the summer because I don't want to go outside and get my skin burned <laughs> yeah, off. Yeah, because there's a fucking heat advisory. They're like, y'all should stay inside. It's dangerous. <laughs> I'm like a literal ba- vampire in the summer. <laughs> I, oh, my God. Seriously. I always, everybody's always like, oh, my God, it's so nice out here. I was like, I don't know. I, I constantly live somewhere where the sun trying to kill me here florida it's just it never it never ends it's too hot the sun's spicy oh and the sun is spicy oh my god but you know what i'm wearing some hoodies right now so i'm feeling really good this weather's perfect fall is on its way y'all fall y'all but you know let's talk about some stuff that is exciting us in entertainment whether it be movies books shows cat what do you got going on right now i got around to watching midnight oh mass god, on netflix the story is compelling it's a supernatural horror miniseries created by and directed by Mike Flanagan. You might know that name from The Haunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Bly Manor. This is another one of his shows. Not in the same vein of Hill House and Bly Manor. It's its own little thing. Plot centers on an isolated island community that experiences supernatural events after the arrival of a mysterious and charismatic priest. So this was released in September. Spoiler alert. I'm going to talk about it. It has to do with vampires. It was really interesting to see what the show's plot had to offer to the vampire genre of story 
and lore, uh, mostly because it was very heavy on the themes of religious belief, Catholic theology, and philosophy. Does that like borderline pull you out of it? Because sometimes that kind of almost pulls me out of a thing. I'm I'm here for like when these scary movies or these thrillers like have that element of religion, but I think when it's like so based into it, I'm kind of yeah. like, eh. well, okay. So for me, it's interesting because it's more psychological. It's it, it okay. incorporates the religious aspect with vampire lore to where vampire lore is explained by constructs of Christianity. And that's very, I guess, different. Mm, <laughs> it's very okay, different okay, than your regular okay. run-of-the-mill just vampire horror show. So did Moses have two vampires on the Basically. On the oh, not, not Moses. That was Noah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm such a horrible Catholic. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. <laughs> just show it. It gets heavy. Like, it's it's a little bit almost too much. It's not like yeah. a fun, light, even scary story, yeah. for lack of a better phrase. It makes you think if you're into that stuff. And it, and it sounds like everybody's into it right now. Yeah. I mean, it, it, everybody's talking about Midnight Mass. I will so. say it's a super slow burn. It's eight episodes long, I think, or seven episodes, actually. And the story really started midway. And then by the last two episodes, you're just like, oh, my God, this is, yeah, it's chaotic. All this stuff's happening. And then the ending is just like, okay, like, well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Whoopa. All right, we're here. (laughs) Oh, there's just one character. You just love to hate her. She's just a horrible, horrible person. (laughs) Bev. Her name is Bev. Bev. Bev just yeah. sounds like and she's a horrible you see a lot person. of your favorite <laughs> actresses and actors from Haunting of Hill House and Bly Manor. I like when they do anthology series like that and they keep those same casts. So Ryan Murphy does that a lot with his American Horror Story um, season. So I, I enjoy seeing those reoccurring celebrities, those actors coming in and taking on those roles. So those, that's always fun to watch. Midnight Mass. All right. Well, that is on Netflix right now, yeah, right? Sure No, it's on Netflix. I will have to give that a watch. Speaking of scary stuff, I just saw Halloween Kids kills over on um on friday right before the weekend started and holy shit michael myers is brutal he is back he survived this is taking up um he survived the fire the inferno (laughs) he survived it all and if he can survive that you should be scared of what this man can do (laughs) (laughs) um uh, let's see halloween kills is um it just came out on october 15th it is picking up from halloween um that's um from 2017 oh 2018 2018 okay i love jamie lee curtis oh my god i love her she's yeah she's the best so Halloween Kills picks up from the uh, 2018, the ending of the 2018 film Halloween, where we left uh, Jamie Lee Curtis as she returned from her iconic role as Laurie Strode, along with her daughter and her granddaughter. Uh, spoiler alert, at the end of Halloween, they had left Michael in a trap to die in some um, in a horrible fire, and we were hoping that was the end of the shape of the boogeyman himself. But as Hollywood should have it, and as we want it, there is more gore. There's more gore, there is more scares, there are more just brutal aspects of Michael Myers that come out of this film. It was a lot of fun, dude, and I, I really enjoyed it. Everybody's like, oh, how did you feel about it? And I started talking to a few people about the, the film itself, and I think one of the coolest things about this film is that it's literally the middle portion of a story. There's the original, the original 1979, I think, um, the original... Uh, version and then you have halloween 
which was the official sequel because then they got rid of everything and <clears throat> within this new trilogy this is all taking place on one night or one day on halloween day and on halloween night so michael's back in that first um that first film of halloween halloween kills is literally just that middle portion of this of this story you know they thought they killed him he's still here he's out he's running amok 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 <laughs> He's running amok around town. He's Michael. He's Michael. He's in Haddonfield, Illinois, and he is going to town, y'all. Um, and I think it was great because, you know, this movie is also still on the same night. And then the next movie is going to pick up on the same night. Like, things are still happening within this entire... Oh, okay. Yeah. So everything is still in this in this time frame. So I love the idea that this entire film is just part of one giant story. It's it's gonna It's going to come to an end at some point. So Halloween Kills is out, and then we should be expecting um, the final, the conclusion to this uh, Halloween chapter, this Halloween story, and uh, this lore. Yeah, this saga of just Michael Myers should be coming to, it's supposed to be coming to an end next year with Halloween Ends. And of course- I don't believe it. I know, right? I mean, they- Come on. But at the same time, you're like, it, can it really keep going? I mean, Jamie Lee, I love Jamie Lee. She's getting up there, though. You know what I mean? Like, she don't she want to be is, screaming and running around. A, she's true, true. But, you know, she she's such a badass still. Like, I when I get when I get older, I want to be like her. I want to be like Jamie. And you know what I appreciate <laughs> the most about Jamie Lee is that she's just constantly excited about this role. Like, this is a, like, I feel like some people don't want to get typecast and some yeah. actors really just don't want that to be their legacy. And she she full on embraces it. And she's yeah. like, Yes, I am I am the Halloween girl. I am I am that one. That is my thing. And and she takes it seriously. So I, I think yeah. that's one of the best things about these films is that Jamie Lee is still believing in the source material, believes in this story, and believes in like this um this emotional roller coaster that, you know, Laurie Strode has to go through. And yeah. not only go through as Laurie Strode, but go through as Laurie Strode as a mother and now go through yes. as Laurie Strode as a mother who's also a grandmother. Yes. So so I think there's yes. a there's just a lot of things that come out of this. So Jamie Lee, I love you. But I really think Jamie Lee just kinda wants to, you know, eat her activia and just kind of like chill out for a while. <laughs> Settle so, down, yeah. She don't want to be running for her life no more from Michael. So yeah. Activia well she's trying to keep it regular, y'all. <laughs> I get you, I get you, yeah. And I think everything about Jamie Lee that you just said really shows on on the screen. Like, you can just tell. It's something special when it comes to to her Mm -hmm. in these films. That's just my two cents. And then, of course, we also had, you know, Judy Greer um, returned as Karen. The daughter. I'm going to butcher her name. Machika um, is uh, Allison, her granddaughter. And then um, uh, one of the cool things that that came out of this second movie. So Anthony Michael Hall um, played Tommy Doyle, who Tommy Doyle was the original um, kid that Laurie was babysitting in the original Halloween movie. So um, that wasn't Anthony Michael Hall. Um, However, uh, uh, Kyle Richards played Lindsay and Kyle Richards was actually the original Lindsay from Halloween, the original movie. So she came back to reprise her role as Lindsay, the other girl that was um, that Laurie was babysitting that fateful night um, of Halloween. So oh, that was really cool, cool to see. Nancy Stevens came back as uh, Marion, 
and she uh, re reprised that role as the nurse who was driving Dr. Loomis in the original movie and got attacked by Michael. So it was fun to see a lot of these people return these uh, these iconic roles and just kind of bring it to a new light and and see and and take it, take that aspect of kind of like all right, this happened over forty years ago. What did it do to me? Am I still am I still fucked up from it, or have I have I really kind of just like let it go? And it's one of those things where you kind of have to think to yourself too. You're like, huh, would I be fucked up, or would I be, or would I be uh, alright? Yeah. Like, right? Nope. <laughs> Which brings me to my next point. Like Sydney Prescott. I mean, I don't know if you saw the new trailer for the Scream film. I'm I'm thrilled about it, by the way. Segway right there. But <laughs> boom, <laughs> boom, uh, mic drop. Actually, don't drop the mic. It's expensive. <laughs> and, but um, uh, the the most recent, um, the uh, Paramount just released the trailer for Scream, which is the fifth installment in the Scream franchise, bringing back um, our main players, Nev Campbell as Sidney Prescott, um, uh, Courtney Cox as Gail Weathers, and um, <laughs> uh, David Arquette as Dewey um, Dewey Riley. I don't think he's sheriff anymore. This is this is looking good, dude. Like I'm super pumped about this. Uh, this is coming from the directors that did Ready or Not. I love that film. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was dark. It was twisted. So I think that element they're going to bring into the Scream franchise. And this is going to be the first film that is in the Scream franchise that's not that doesn't have anything to do with Wes Craven because unfortunately poor Wes is no longer with us. So I think it was it was kind of it, it was one of those things, it was a touch and go thing for a while after Wes um had passed they're like who's you can't do Scream without Wes Craven yeah. and for the most part I was like yeah I don't think you can and Wes was the master of suspense um so they they kind of took this on there's a new um there's a new group of uh, of cast members um so but I mean that kind of goes back into um what we were just talking about like can you imagine like laurie strode had to go through all of this for like 40 plus years sydney yeah. prescott dude there's like literally four movies about to be five movies of this <laughs> chick being like attacked by Ghostface. <laughs> like at some point like don't you think to yourself you're like fuck dude like this is this shit is crazy i don't want to deal with this anymore yeah. <laughs> like would you have a normal life where you'd be like yeah you know what i'm a little psycho i'm gonna like i'm gonna lock myself in a room for the next yeah. few, <laughs> few years of my life um but yeah, so Ghostface has returned uh, 25 years after the original streak of brutal murders that shocked the quiet town of Woodsboro. Uh, a new killer is um, donning the uh, Ghostface mask and brings targeting um, and begins targeting a group of teenagers to resurrect secrets from the town's deadly past. So it looks like it's connecting to some of the original killers. They got some great new talent that's going to be on here. Dylan um, Minette is playing Wes Hicks, um, who is also I guess I'm I guess, I don't know if he's the son or if how he's related to Judy Hicks, who was from the fourth film. He was also in Thirteen Reasons Why. We have Jenna Ortega playing Tara. Melissa Barrera, who um, did great in In the Heights last year, she's gonna be playing. I think she's the new Sydney Prescott of what I'm kind of gathering from the the preview. Mm -hmm. Jack Quaid is in there, so it has the very it has these elements of the original Scream. But also you can tell like, oh, this, you're going to get a little darker on this one. And I'm super, I'm, yeah. I'm excited about that. It's, it's going to look, it, and, I mean, the trailer alone already looked pretty brutal. And um, I was telling somebody a couple weeks ago that I saw an interview with the, um, with the uh, directors and they had asked them, you know, hey, we haven't seen anything. We haven't seen a trailer. We haven't seen a poster. We haven't seen a teaser. Why? 
and y'all been done with it for a while and they were like listen we're having a hard time putting a trailer together because we don't want to give anything away so we're trying to put something together that still excites people but doesn't give you any sense of what's going on so i was like oh that's exciting like i appreciate that even more because it's like oh yeah yeah i want that because from this trailer i feel like i could be like all right i kind of get it but if you're and and they're like even when we show you a trailer you're still not going to be ready because you won't know so i was like that's great. You just gave me, you basically just gave me a sizzle reel of what <laughs> I should be expecting from this film. And I was like, you know what? I'm here for it. So, I mean, I would have seen it anyways. I, I, I love the Scream franchise. Uh, let's see. What else have I been? Um, so, oh, um, recently I kind of got, um, I was on HBO Max and they had just released some new stuff for the October month. And they put Beautiful Creatures on HBO Max. And I don't know if you've seen it. 2013. It's a, it's a romantic gothic fantasy film. Um, it was written okay as a book series it is a book series which is why I got super excited about it because I was like oh my god that'd be a good one for us to do down the road I really 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 like it it has um, Alden um, how do you say his last name or Rich I don't know Alden something Jeremy Irons Viola Davis Emmy Rossum um, Thomas Mann Emma Thompson and it's just it's such a great I think it's great I really enjoy it I think it's underrated it didn't get a lot of hype from it because I don't think it was I think it kind of missed its mark in like those fantasy adult, those young adult fantasy films uh-huh. and franchise. At at the time, we had already had the Twilights, we already had all the Hunger Games, so I think we were kind of just like out of that for a while. So yeah. when it, so when they dropped it, it didn't do as great 2013, but I think it's it still holds yeah. up. I really enjoyed it. Jeremy Irons is wonderful in it. Oh, I love Jeremy <clears throat> Irons, especially when he comes out in some like fantasy. <laughs> like he was probably the only good part of Aragon. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of that movie was trash, oh but <laughs> that's another one we should probably talk about, right? <laughs> or or <clears throat> not? <laughs> uh, South Carolina teenager Ethan Waite awakens from a reoccurring dream of a girl he has not yet met. He despairs in his small town existence and dreams of leaving for college. And his first day of junior year, a newcomer, Lena Duquesne, resembles the girl Ethan has been dreaming about. So, what does that all mean? It's an angsty love story. There's some witches, there's some warlocks, and then there's some mortals as well, too. And then, uh, and above all, there's love. Um, so yeah, Beautiful Creatures is on um, HBO Max. If you haven't seen it, I highly suggest it. It's um, it's a fun film. Um, it, it doesn't take itself too seriously. I think it would have been a great continuation for a series, but it was a one and done kind of thing. And honestly, it okay. it works. It works as a one and done. I like it. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, not at all. So I'm, I'd be, I'd be down to read that one and kind of review those two. I think those would be fun to um, discuss down the road. <clears throat> yeah, I'm Excuse down for me. that. Oh, also then in the same vein, if you've not given it a watch yet, it came out I think earlier this year, um, in April 2021 on Netflix, the adaptation for the Shadow and Bone. Oh, Shadow and Bones. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. No, I haven't watched that one yet. Did you see that one? It's yes, it's good. It's it was really a, a well done adaptation. Not that I read the stories, but like just watching the show, it was so compelling to me that like I would go back and, and read um read the books. Um and I'm excited for the second season. Yeah. Everything just looks so cool. There's such a great cast, Ben Barnes. 
in the same vein of beautiful creatures, you're going to dig that as well. Oh, yeah, I think I will dig that. I'm I'm looking at the I'm looking at the books summary. Uh so the novel's narrated uh, narrated by Alina, a teenager orphan who grows up in the Russian-inspired land of Ravka, Ravka. When Ravka, Ravka. Yeah. When unexpectedly harnessing a power she never knew she had in order to save her childhood best friend, she becomes a target of intrigue and violence, and is uh, it is the first book of the Shadow and Bone trilogy, and then it's followed by Siege and Storm and Ruin and Rising. That's exciting. And what uh, what is a uh, Shadow and Bone on? Uh, Netflix. Netty. It's on the Netty. 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 It's on the Netty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my apologies, y'all, to those that are listening. It's we're 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 filming this episode very early, right after I just got home from emo night. So. Oh yeah, we forgot to talk about emo, emo night. night. Oh my god, dude, we had so much fun. Uh, it was the best. I love when you just go and relive your like your high yeah. school days. It's just like I got your picture. <laughs> <laughs> Everything, and, so, and of course, ending the night with like some black parade. Oh, oh that's always god. the best. That's always the closer. Uh, oh, and yes, and then it just Helena, goes so hard. Some Jimmy uh, Eat World in the middle of the night. I sent you that video, yes, you Jimmy did. Eat World. I was like, uh, oh, my baby's making me proud. Uh, I was screaming my lungs out. So if I sound like we're an ASMR video right now, it's because <laughs> I don't have a voice. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, it was so much fun. We had a blast and we went with like a whole bunch of a whole bunch of us. So it's always fun. Dude, I think that e- I think emo punk punk rock's coming back. Honey, it never went away. <laughs> emo is not dead. It's not dead <laughs> Actually, you know what? I saw a shirt last night at emo night that said "Emo is dead. Long live emo." I was like, "That's so emo." We got I love you. it. <laughs> I was like, "Oh I my god!" I see what you did there. I see what you did there, and I love it. I was like, "Dude, I fucking love that." Emo's not dead. Long live. Emo. Uh, I was like, "Oh my god, that's so emo." <laughs> oh. oh. Yeah, then, it was the best And then people, time. like, look at our profile on Instagram. They're like, this guy? This guy. This guy likes emo. <laughs> <laughs> this CW cookie cutter guy. It's not a phase, mom. <laughs> it's not a phase. Emo's a lifestyle. <laughs> when both uh, the cars collide. <laughs> <laughs> What's the worst that I could say? <laughs> There's this TikTok of someone standing on the street in Chicago or San Francisco or some shit, and this guy is coming down on an electric scooter, and he's just singing at the top of his lungs, what's the worst that I can say? And he just, like, zooms by, and then you hear him, like, down the street, and he sounds like Gerard. He sounds like Gerard, and people are like, oh, my God, is that Gerard on the scooter? I'll just I send think it to you. It's incredible. Yes, you need to send it to me, dude. Uh, My Chemical Romance is going to be like in Dallas next next <gasps> year, next September, and that's enough time for me to plan and get my. I plan if it. we go see, oh my god, if we go see My Chemical, I'll bust out the eyeliner. I'm like it's, ha- it's happening. <laughs> You're gonna have it's, to, buddy. It's happening. I'm gonna dust <laughs> off my coffin. I'm gonna you gonna dust off my coffin. <laughs> Get me my leather duster. I am about to. I'm going to walk into this room. <laughs> Nobody will know it's ready. It's so sad because when they were announcing their, I don't want to say comeback tour, but when they were starting their their tour yeah. back in what the, the start of 2020 at the end of 2019 and then COVID yeah. hit and 
it was just like no no uh, i know everybody i felt like everybody did that yeah yeah they did we i had um we had plans to go see coheed and cambria in san antonio like that march or that yeah that may sometime around that time and it was just like oh it's yeah, like, damn it! Damn it! Have to damn it! This on hold. You know, I got really lucky. A couple of years right before COVID had hit, we had went to um, me and my sister went to go see Thirty Seconds to Mars. Mm-hmm. That show was life. Like, just it was an experience. <laughs> that was that was. I I remember me and my sister were standing there, and I was just like, "What just fucking happened?" <laughs> Did you get to touch Jared? Did you touch his? his um, cape I didn't or... touch Jared, but Jared full on was like riding his bike outside of the stage, and we're like, we were at the oh, we were at the what amphitheater he outside, a um, bike in for? Austin. <laughs> He was just riding a bike, like a it was, it like was... a bicycle, like a yeah, bicycle. like a full on bicycle. Like I swear to God, like I like my sister's gonna have to like comment on this episode and be like, you know, to to just like confirm this. Go but so on Helica, if you're, li- if you're listening to this episode on Helica, you need to like confirm that Jared Leto was riding a bicycle <laughs> at Thirty Seconds to Mars concert before the concert even started before even the, like, oh, the pre-show okay. started i see i see just, i thought yeah, he was just so, like mid show just mid show just like <laughs> riding a bike around maybe singing ring ring, ring, ring. just <laughs> all right y'all actually you know what that's a very jared leto thing to do anyway so i feel like it'd be it would have it would have been all right but Don't yeah we were bring <laughs> me down ring 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 <laughs> oh you know what okay so they played the kill last night as well too and i was waiting for 30 seconds they played that one and i love it um so when we went to see 30 seconds in concert we saw him at the f1 the 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 amphitheater in austin the really big one okay Mm -hmm. Okay. so it's outside they were having technical issues like sound wise um a couple of times throughout the show and then whenever they came out to do the kill like he's like like coming down off this thing on stage and it's and 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 then the sound went out and yeah and everybody's like oh and without skipping a beat the entire crowd everybody just sang all three minutes of the kill oh my god from start to finish that's crazy and it was one of the most incredible experiences and then afterwards like jared like it came back on he's like that was the most fucking incredible thing i've ever experienced i was like oh my god it was for me too that's like the best that's the best (laughs) concert going experience Oh, he was like, was it good for you? Because it was good for me. I was like, it sure was. Yeah. You want to go again? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. But yeah, no, I so I love me some 30 seconds. But yeah. So right before the show started, me and my sister are chilling in our seats. We're outside. We're having some beers. We're talking. And she goes, hmm, is that Jared Leto? I was like, I was like, silly bitch. No, no, that's not Jared Leto. (laughs) And I was like, oh, shit, that's Jared Leto. He's on and his he's huffy, just, son. He's just on his huffy, just <laughs> cruising, cruising the aisles of this amphitheater, and nobody's like even paying mind to him because, like, when do you think Jared Leto is going to be driving a tricycle around, <laughs> 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 just around you? So everybody's like, "Oh, excuse me," and he's like, "Oh, no problem." And then until somebody's like, "Hold the fuck up," <laughs> is is that Jared Leto? That's Jared Leto on like, a bike. On a bike, like. <laughs> That should be on a t-shirt. Jared Leto on a bike. No no context. No, no You don't need to know anything else. That's just going to go. I, see, the mental picture Jared I have Leto in my bike. head is like him on a penny farthing. <laughs> that sounds most on brand. Just like. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> like 
with his long hair. I don't this know. Goes, yeah, this goes back to like that whole conversation we just had with you earlier. It's like where we kind of feel like we know the people. I was like, that does sound like Jared. Oh, <laughs> oh Jared. Oh, Jared. Oh, classic you Jared. Jared. Classic. Classic. <laughs> but for real, what unicorn did he drink from? Because that man's a vampire. How does he? <laughs> how has he been the same age for thirty Forever. years? I don't get it. Forever, forever, in everything that he does. Um, so yeah, so That's Emonet fun. was fun. 30 Seconds to Mars was great. 30 Seconds to Mars actually has some new music out, so I need to check that out soon um, after this show. Oh, and do you know who else has music out? Who? Oh my god, the perfect time of year for this kind of music. Oh. The one, the only, Adele. Oh yeah, back, oh yeah. She's back to give us the feels. She's back to make us <gasps> feel heartbreak. She's back to make us cry until at least January 1st. So oh Adele. oh Adele. Adele. She's a beast. She looks amazing, dude. She's, She's a, beast. a beast. I mean, people that can sing like that and not even strain a little bit, I'm like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. I mean she well, she did have to take a Yeah, she's on vocal rest yeah. for a while. Yeah, I think. That's crazy. I mean, honestly, if I'm being completely honest, I think the brilliance of Hello is just now finally hitting me. I was just like singing it the other day. I was like, this song is fucking like the cosmos. It's it's, it's intense. Like the amount of heartbreak. To, who, to put in. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't like, like the words aren't even happening yeah, right now in this no. conversation. We're both like. <laughs> How can one human. Adele feel? got me fucked up. Adele got me fucked That's up it, all yeah. the time. Oh God! So yeah, so I'm waiting for the next rainstorm so I can just go sit outside with my AirPods and just <laughs> and just let the rain fall down oh, on me. My. Listen to Adele, um, but I'm so I'm excited to see what else Adele brings out to us. I listened to that first um, song this weekend and uh, in my feels, dude. Of course, in your feels, <laughs> in my feels. So that is what we got going on. That's what has our money. That's what has our attention right now. Let's get into the juicy stuff. Let's get into the meat of it all. Why we're here. What are you waiting for, huh? What are you waiting for? I sit around right now and ask, but I'm <laughs> attached to my microphone. <laughs> so we're reviewing today. I know what you did last summer. The novel written by Lois Duncan. 1973, I think. 1973. Yeah. And the film with the same title, I Know What You Did Last Summer, in 1997. Starring the most iconic cast. Teenage movie royalty. Right? Okay, so... For the last episode, y'all know my confession. I really haven't seen any of these 90s classic teen slasher horror films. It's so upsetting. Yeah, I know. But the cool thing, though, is that I got to experience this for the first time. And that was special. <laughs> you know, that's an, that's an exciting thing about this podcast project that we're doing is you're going to be seeing things that you've never watched or read and vice versa. Like, I'm going to be catching up on some of these shows that I probably have never seen that you probably love and, and and I love the I love this like fantasy realm that we both are into you yeah. have the, like the witches and the the mystical portion of stuff and I'm very superhero-esque and very like slasher mm-hmm. <laughs> and horror um based so we have those two we have those two mediums that we really enjoy and we're gonna find all that stuff in between that's great this yeah that's what this podcast is about sharing stuff that we love that's what it's about y'all. and thinking that we're best friends with these people <laughs> <laughs> best friends 
friends. <laughs> Speaking of our best friends, who are our best friends that are on this film, Kat? I'm sure y'all already know we've got Jennifer Love Hewitt, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Ryan Phillippe, and Freddie Prince Jr. Freddie Prince, y'all. That's it really is an iconic cast from that time frame. Uh Freddie Prince, obviously, um, she's all that, you know, Summer Catch, all that the wonderful things that he did. Sarah Michelle Gellar from Scooby Buffy. Doo, just kidding. Scooby Dooby Doo. Oh, <laughs> Dude, you can never forget Scooby. Matthew Lillard is probably one of the great... We don't talk about Matthew Lillard We don't. Like, we don't. Thank you. Yes, he's amazing. He always understands the assignment. Yeah. Always. He's funny. So we have a great cast. And it's actually where Freddie Prince Jr. and Sarah Michelle Gellar began their beautiful love affair. They met on, this, um, on the set because Freddie Prince Jr. could drive and Sarah Michelle Gellar did not have her driver's license at the time. So he would take her to work. Look at that. Aww. So this is love. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cute. It is. So as we said, this selection this week is going to be I Know What You Did Last Summer. The original premise of that novel are teens Julie, Ray, Barry, and Helen hit a child on his bicycle in the middle of the night while joyriding, drinking, and smoking pot. A year passes by and they all have changed. Julie, once the top cheerleader who had the lowest grades, is now accepted into an Ivy League school with a high GPA. Ray ran off to California to be a fisherman not long after the incident. Barry is now one of the star players on his college football team. Helen quit high school her junior year in order to be Channel 5's new Golden Girl personality. And the morning of Julie's good news of learning she will be going to an Ivy League school, another letter arrives for her. Only this letter is different from the rest. It's smaller than the others, and the moment she opens it, her heart drops at the sight of the words, I know what you did last summer. Dun dun dun! I know. So the book, it's the original source material for this movie. Yep. The premise for the film, Kat, you want to take that one? Sure. I'll try my best. <laughs> Let's see. So we have our 1997 film directed by Jim Gillespie and written by Kevin Williamson, who, after writing Scream, was approached to adapt uh, Duncan's source novel. So in 1996, Southport, North Carolina, Julie James and her friends, Ray Bronson, Helen Shivers, and Barry Cox drive to the beach. And while driving along a coastal byway, they accidentally hit a pedestrian. The group decides to dump the body in the water and never discuss what happened. The group disbands for a whole year while they go off to college and doing their thing. When Julie comes back home, she is surprised and upset to find a note that reads, I know what you did last summer. Somebody knows all your dirty secrets. Somebody knows. Somebody Could you imagine if somebody sent us that letter right now? Somebody said, I know what you did last summer. I'd be like, jack shit. I didn't do no, anything. Yeah, I would be <laughs> I would be like, great. Can you please tell me? Because I don't remember. I forgot. I'm supposed to write a paper about it and I don't know what to do. So if you could tell me, that'd be great. Don't remember what I did last week. So yeah. <laughs> that's great. That's great. <laughs> I know. I love that meme. I think we posted that meme a couple of weeks ago when we were getting ready for this show. And it said, I know you didn't do shit last summer. And everybody <laughs> has like a mask on. <laughs> I was like, yes, yes, I'm, yes. So that is exciting. That was, you know, that that was part of my childhood. I really enjoyed that teen slasher era. Um, I was, I was, I was firmly into that, that genre at the time. Um, I know you said you really weren't into it. I had older cousins and my cousins were always constantly giving me the chance to watch a lot of the stuff that I shouldn't be watching. Mm -hmm. My parents were like, don't watch that. <laughs> and then my older cousins, yeah, my cousin Laura and my cousin Theo would just be like, hey, you want to watch this? I'm like, yeah, I do. I mean, they messed me up with the whole, you know, killer clowns from outer space. But. <laughs> 
so this is circa what? Circa 97 for the movie. We're nine circa. years old stuff. Um, my parents were definitely the same, like, you're not allowed to watch this. <laughs> and so I never did. And then just growing up, it was never something that felt intriguing to me because of yeah. all the parodies of it. So I just yeah. thought, like, they're stupid. They're making fun of them. They're yeah. stupid. Which, granted, yeah, it's not like an Oscar award-winning film, but it's fun. Yeah. And I think that I think that's what the biggest takeaway it is, is about these films is that um, the teenage slasher genre tends to be filled with all of its tropes so it tends to be a little bit more fun and it's more so about the deaths as it is about the story kind of like the the final destination franchise yeah. so you know what one of the things about this film so the film mildly draws inspiration from the book the novel itself kind of gave its shell for the film because there was a lot of things that the film pulled like the character names mm -hmm. and the whole concept of like you know of hitting somebody in the middle of the night yeah. when you're out and doing you know all these things that you shouldn't be doing as teenagers and then death is now on your hands that whole aspect, I think, was brought into the film. But all in all, if we're being honest, the book is pretty boring. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I I ended up listening to the audiobook from Audible mm -hmm. because I was trying to read it and it just, I was just like not interested. Um, and, and it could be just that, you know, the story itself was is written for originally teenagers of the late the 70s. Exactly. Um, it, it was written as a teenage yeah. thriller. Like, so yeah. I, I mean, so it wasn't it wasn't going to be like a Stephen King, like gory thing. I think I was I was more on edge waiting to be on edge with this mm -hmm. story. Let's see. So the honestly, the fact is that the original victim was a little boy and he was and I think that struck a deep chord more so um, than the movie's version because they hit like just they hit an older man in the movie. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the one thing that the book did differently, because I think when you hit a kid and then you try to get rid of the bodies like, oh, my God, like, that's insane. Like, you can't do that. It's <laughs> a kid. <laughs> Um, so I think that was the most shocking thing about the, about the novel, as opposed um, a little bit better than what the, the film did, because the film, I, which I hate to say it the way that I'm saying this, but they killed an older man and we're like, oh, my God, that's horrible. <laughs> but it wasn't as like, oh, my God, like, it's not as gruesome. Um <clears throat> Also, in the original book, uh, no one died in the original book, nor was the victim a grown man. Uh, the death of the child is devastating, um, and I think that's one of the things that really took like took me back at least so that was the biggest one from the book. Yeah, I think the book fo focused more on the characters dealing and sorting out their not only their relationships with each other, but like their own like teenage problems on top of the fact that they're hiding the secret um of something yeah. like this horrible consequence of their actions or whatnot and then the book focused like, way too much on barry like i think a I, lot I, on barry yeah as he was mainly one of the, the the victims i guess he gets shot by some unknown person and it seems like he was lured out when that happened and then they're just trying to figure out who had motivation to do that to him. And quite honestly, Barry and in the movie is such a pile of trash. And and they picked <laughs> such a perfect person to like play that. Like Ryan Philippine always comes off as just douchey, doesn't yes! he? Yes. Just from the get-go watching the movie, Ryan yeah. Philippi's face is just so like uh like I don't know what just, it is. I hate it. Is he really an ass like I don't know if he's a real asshole, but he gives off those vibes like perfectly. So yeah. 
Like, his character in the movie, I just, I hated. His character in the books, I doubly hated. <laughs> I loathe Barry in the books. I felt like Barry, like, oh, okay, so I guess kudos to Ryan Phillippe then, right? Taking the source material and then working with that to create true, this true. character. So I guess, like. Unless he really is an asshole. Unless he, unless he really is an <laughs> asshole. In that case, then we don't like you're all. All I'm saying <laughs> is that when you look at the cast in the movie, all the cool kids have three names. That's all I'm saying. I don't trust anybody with only two names. Yeah, no, get out of here. <laughs> I ain't about that life. <laughs> Not today. What's your name? Norma Jean. Oh, just Norma Jean? Hell no. no. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know what? I mean, kudos to him if he was able to take the source material and turn that into that douchey character. Because yeah, in the book, he was just an awful person. And then he, he took it up the next level. I think whenever one of the scenes that sticks out in my head with that film is whenever he's basically choking Julie's character and just like, oh, swear. Yeah. She's like, let me hear you say it. I was like, well, you need to like, let her go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. And just the, like her, her reaction to him, her response to him. She's just like, she's so self-composed, but just all of the like self-loathing and loathing for him in her and in face. Yeah, anger, like everything. Like she in she instantly went from she's naturally pale. Like she's a, in that movie, she's a very stringy haired pale person. And then the moment that they killed somebody, she instantly went look like she instantly went ghost face, and she yeah. just full on like lost that color. And I thought that was that was that was a great character yeah. choice on that end. Um, I think the movie though ties um in inspiration from the urban legend of the hook, and I think that's what kind of brought that whole slasher portion of it into <laughs> the- it. The hash slinging slasher. That's all I could think about. SpongeBob. SpongeBob. The hash slinging. The mesh slinging. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. <laughs> oh, so. <laughs> Uh, from the urban legend, the hook in order for um, it to strike up a deeper fear into the hearts of the audience that merely focusing on that hit and run, because I think that's what that um, the novel itself focused merely on just that hit and run. And as mm-hmm. I said, each chapter, I think we've constantly felt ourselves looking for something else, looking yeah. for that next element of surprise, the next element of thrill, that next element of horror. And um, again, I think I think that. I think the the expectations for this novel come from the expectations of seeing this film firsthand. True. And that's yeah. kind of how it's going to be for a lot of these people because again, you know, uh Lois Duncan created this as a uh, a teen a teen thriller, so this wasn't like a a novel for adults. So there wasn't really I guess I guess for teenagers back in the 1970s, um a hit and run was the end all be all and that was probably super terrifying. I mean, um, it is pretty bad. I mean, it is pretty bad. I mean, don't get me wrong. Oh my god, like <laughs> I mean, okay, think about it. So, this was back before what seatbelts were um <laughs> like legal. <laughs> before they could try to control our bodies and make us wear seatbelts. <laughs> yeah, like open container was still a thing. Seatbelts weren't a thing. Uh, Dude, the 70s were a lawless place. It's crazy. <laughs> it's a freaking wild west. <laughs> With disco. <laughs> and our parents want to, and they have the audacity to talk shit about us. <laughs> hey, everything, what, was that before unleaded? There was lead in everything. No seatbelts. Just, 
what are they? What and were they the even si- doing? And in the 60s, they were drinking and smoking while they were pregnant. They were sitting over here having a jolly good time. <laughs> and now they're all like, oh, my God. It was like, mm, calm down, Deborah. <laughs> no, wonder th- no wonder this is a horror, but. Yeah, calm down, Deborah. You had martinis when you found out you were pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Interesting. Interesting connection. <laughs> Um, you know, one of the things that I noticed in the film more so, well, actually more in the novel than more so in the film that I think they did a little bit better. The family of the victim did not seem to suffer as much as the family in the novel. So oh, yeah. I, I feel like the, I feel like it was a very kind of one and done. Like everything happened. They knew all the aspects. So I feel like the film kind of took in that, that there was a moment where it kind of went from, oh my God, we killed a person. How is their family going to deal with this? Yeah. To oh my god, we killed a person. What's this going to do to us? And very, very much in the in in line of teenagers' mentality. Yeah. Where it's like nobody gives. Like we don't care about anybody but ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I think well, okay. So, in terms of the book, that's mainly what the story deals with. There is these characters and like their inner dialogue about like their relationship and like them yeah. going to college and then their their own lives and their own concerns. I think I realized that in the book, the majority of the characters are just assholes. Yeah. They're they're selfish assholes. Self-centered, yeah. <laughs> they're, so, they're selfish yeah, assholes. I mean, yeah, I uh, mean, and then teenagers are the worst <laughs> form of human. They are. I'm sorry. And I can say that as a former teenager. And you can say that too. We can all say I, that I, because um, we were all horrible. Yeah. It is the worst form. It's so funny. I definitely had that thought the other day. I was thinking about it. I'm like, okay, what is this? What is the takeaway from this movie and this book? And I was like, man, yeah, I was, hor- I was horrible. That teenagers are assholes. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> My friends that have teenagers now, can you confirm? Are your kids assholes? I'm sure they are. Like, come uh, on, but they are the worst. Yeah. But yeah, and and I think and I think the film again. I think if if that was a creative choice in the sense of being like, all right, in the film we are going to just showcase these teenagers as teenagers, and as teenagers do. They don't give a fuck about anybody. <laughs> They're like, oh my God, what's this going to do to my college career? What's this going to do to this? Oh my God, it's going to be horrible. And then as far as, you know, and then Lois Duncan had, you know, I think she really took on the aspect of the victim portion of of this entire situation. Like there was a lot of the family aspects of like how they're grieving and how they're trying to get through it yeah. and how they're blaming each other of how their mom is not the same anymore yeah. and how, you know, giving these backstories. You know what? You're right. That... I I remember that part a little bit shocked me because in the book, I think, what is it? The the daughter of the family is is telling them about how the mom feels responsible because Mm -hmm. the kid um, wanted to be picked up from wherever he was at because he was not having a good time. And his mom was like, no, deal with it. Like you're having a fight with with your little friend, deal with it. And so he ended up walking home or whatnot like and so that's why he the little kid was on the road by himself when the accident occurred and so yeah. like through dude that's, and now, and- yeah whoa that's heavy very right yeah i think that was one of the, my favorite parts of the novel is having that backstory of like the parents dealing with 
the news that their son's gone because like you had just said the mom was having to deal with the fact that she has all this guilt now because hey i told my son go to this party and then i told him no i'm not going to pick you up and and yeah. reliving that in in your head over and over and over and over and over again i can only imagine like what it would like send you into the hole that it will get you into and like the that pit of like you know of depression where it's like oh my god this is my fault no matter how many times somebody's gonna tell you that it's not your fault you're like dude they asked me to pick them up and i told them yeah. no like literally yeah. right before they died so i mean that oh. that was that was very intense and i think the movie missed that and the movie i think the movie would have been just a little bit more well-rounded if they would have added in that intensity of the family portion and of, of who they lost okay so to be fair though the movie served as something different in regards yeah. to what happened with the person that they believed they had killed you know they thought it was what's his name daniel oh yeah um oh no 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 uh johnny galecki's character i think so they so at the opening of the film you see that guy sitting on top of the rocks because he is contemplating you know suicide yeah. um and so the way the film proceeds it they kind of make you believe that he was the person that they hit um and they believe that too up until they go and speak helen and julie go and speak with the sister and the sister you know eventually informs them that like oh no he he committed suicide he killed himself it wasn't a murder like we know how he died and so then that like sparks this whole other question of like okay well we didn't kill him then who did we actually yeah yeah so in that regard like the movie that's that's something that the book didn't have was that that twist yeah and that thrill of like dun 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 um and it's like oh, what a twist yeah very very much so i guess no pun intended because of freddie prince and sarah michelle but very much that scooby-doo moment where yeah. it's like who was it and it's like oh my god <laughs> which is a fun aspect of the film i thought you know for the first time seeing it i really was set on like oh it's this person oh oh yeah. wait okay no it can't be it's this person and like just like really trying to pinpoint who it was towards the very end because like i i thought it was max because he hated yeah. them i thought it was freddie prince jr's character because he was just acting weird um yeah like ray was just like i gotta go yeah i, I gotta go peace <laughs> like <laughs> i have to go return some video games it's like oh, okay patrick bateman <laughs> and then, yeah and then with the, the boat being named uh billy blue right. and he's like wait i, I can explain <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. 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 They had some, you know, I think for this book's, this book's chills, like they're, the chills from this book just seemed very tame mm -hmm. um, for, for me at least. And, you know, it, it, I, was it creepy? Yeah, it was, it, I think it had to creep, it had creepy elements in, in the novel. However, more than, it, it was more creepy than it was suspenseful. So the, I found myself being like, ugh, or being like, oh shit. But I was never, I was never like, oh my God, like I'm not holding my breath. Maybe, like, where's the twist? Like you said. Maybe that's the real, like creepy part is like actual human nature he, uh. hmm. oh well that takes a completely different twist on it now. i'm just disgusted <laughs> just disgusted how could you um uh, let me see what else what else do i have to say about this 
So the movie and the book have different killers with different motives. So you have to, um, so if you have seen or read one, but um, not experienced the other, um, I think you could still be surprised. Um, I think the, the book has it, has its hits, its killer. And then the, um, and then the film has its, its killer as well too. So I think the book definitely, okay. So the book laid the groundwork in that, that plot, the elements of the plot. And then, yeah. What the movie did in a very, you know, 90s teen slasher kind of way is it picked up those elements and worked them in the way that just like it was it was it was a it was fast paced. It was and I like that because the the book I felt didn't need to be as in depth and long as it was, Mm -hmm. like especially in regards to the whatever character development lois was going for there like yeah there was a lot of fluff yeah and so like the movie just gave it to you like this is the catalyst these are the characters this is what they're feeling this is what starts going um who is it you know it's just giving you a boom 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 and i i like that because i felt like it it was a good it made it a good popcorn flick that was fun yeah Yeah, for sure i think i really liked seeing Sarah Michelle Gellar's character along with Jennifer Love Hewitt like uh, if anything I was pulling for those two characters and especially especially yeah. uh Sarah Michelle Hel- Helen's character like Helen's like, character yeah, I felt this I felt the same I, I I think I was cheering her on more than anybody she else. fought she fought so hard and then her freaking yeah. cow of a sister I'm sorry her <gasps> sister <That's> what, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, honestly, at one point, I thought her sister was the killer. When right, I remember yeah, yeah. I, at a younger at a younger age, I was like, "Oh, this this bitch is totally the one in charge." True, true, yeah. Her sister. And, was, and you ugh. know, one of the other reasons too is that I thought I thought in the book that was one of the good red herrings in the book is that her sister is such such oh. a horrible person. And yeah, in the a book, you get person that to her, way right? way more. Yes, she's just so bitter and like yeah. And and she and 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 it feels like she thrives off the fact of whenever Helen is is doing bad or whenever Helen fails is whenever her sister's like yes I'm officially happy yeah. and you you get that sense from the movie but you also extremely get that sense from the novel I think the novel itself is talking I mean because her sister is very much like what's the wrong aren't you Channel Fives like whatever whatever and she's like yeah and then and, and the way they write Helen as well too is she's so sweet she constantly talks to her sister. N- nicely yeah. like she's trying to be a sister to, to her and every single time she opens her mouth to her sister her sister has some sort of like nasty thing yeah, to say to her and just breaks down her her confidence breaks down her character breaks down her demeanor so i think that's one of the reasons why she's so like fixated on winning queen and being you know channel five's you know next it girl because i think it was the it was the it kind of like social media now it was in the sense of like instant gratification like i know people like me i know people love me i know people want to see more of me so she was kind of like reaching out for that whole aspect so i kind of get i i really understand her whole um her whole character development so yeah she was one of my favorites interesting yeah and like it's like the more she did that the more she was concerned about that because of obvious reasons the more the sister hated her for it so it's just like this really nasty vicious circle but yeah she was such a cow to her um that whole scene like chase scene where she's being pursued and running away trying to run away from um the hash slinging slasher um yeah i was like i was like no just go i was like yeah fighting so hard like no 
but and yeah. then towards um, the the final scene on that like murder boat like okay. yeah, I was like come on girl and can I just say her her screaming her screams like chef's kiss like how she, did she do she's it? a scream queen girl yeah <laughs> I would have. What are you waiting for? What are you oh, waiting okay. for? Okay, I I didn't know anything about that scene. I know you had posted a a, a meme of that. Gift, yeah, yeah, and I was just like, I don't know what I this is. It. Yeah, I don't get it. And then I when I was watching it, and I'm like, sh- they're showing the scene, and I'm like, I just felt something like deep in my soul. I was like, this is iconic. Like this. Yeah. This is it. Like she is a queen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah she yeah i think she solidified herself as a scream queen with, yeah with that, that was just like it, so it, raw it, it is and, and you know what i think one Kinda of the cool silly, things about that raw. entire scene yeah <laughs> <laughs> one of those i think one of the cool things about that scene is that like you just said it was a raw emotion because even within the setting of that scene she had just discovered a body in her in her trunk yeah. she ran away to go find somebody to like come back yeah. and she brings barry and helen back with her and then they open the trunk and there's nobody in the car hey how did you like what cleaning service did you use that shit was incredible because there was crabs and everything in there and I, you come back 10 minutes later and it's all gone i'm so dumb because when she first opened the trunk i didn't see the body i just saw the crabs and i was like girl they're crap like it's just crabs like yeah like there's nothing scary <laughs> you about live in a coastal town <laughs> there's nothing scary about crabs and then i saw like the yeah. ear of the body i was like oh okay yeah no that's fucked up <laughs> yeah so I, I i that that there's that one part where i'm yeah so i'm like oh my god look, look the body yeah. and then they come back i swear yeah. it was here and it's just like a crowbar i was like Mm-mm. yeah who cleaned this shit up this shit is too clean. This- <laughs> i was like Mm-mm. who'd you have <laughs> Use some of that fabuloso. That shit mm-hmm. is spotless. Yeah, it looked like it even smelled good too, and I was like, yeah. no. <laughs> they had that new car smell and everything. <laughs> I love yeah, it. Yeah, that would have. That I would have. I would have freaked out. I would have gone crazy too. So like that. That reaction to that was just perfect because it's like she broke a little. You know, yeah. broke. Her, it was organic, yeah. is what it was. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you know this, but. I forgot I was googling some information for the movie and this article popped up uh, and I think like she tells the story a lot Jennifer Love Hewitt about Mm -hmm. how that scene actually came into existence so yeah so apparently there was like some contest that was being ran at the time and the winner was like this kid and the kid got to spend a day on the set um of the movie and so it was during that particular scene and he i guess as part of the contest they allowed him to like direct part of it and he this kid ended up coming up with this idea to have her in the street and yell like what are you waiting for and she thought at the time she thought it was like really stupid like okay this kid whatever and it just ended up being like one of the most iconic parts of the movie yeah i i I mean i love it dang and that kid grew up to be eli (laughs) 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 Um, that is not a fact don't take my word on that one (laughs) she's all and she it was like a clip some interview she's like yeah i have i don't remember the kid's name i don't know who he was i don't know where he's at now but like he's just out there knowing that 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 was because of him that was 
that's me. That's mine. Yeah. <laughs> that's my writing credit. Uh, check. Thank you. Been and give me the Oscar, please. <laughs> you can just give me the Oscar. No, that would be me. I was like, did y'all see? Did y'all see my my movie that I wrote? You mean you mean the one scene you improv? <laughs> I mean, it really was the whole movie. Let's be honest. Yeah. What did I just say? The one that I wrote. Thank you. <laughs> um but yeah i mean that's awesome i did not know that that that's a good tidbit for the i mean i i love that scene and it's funny because i think that scene is used so much in the sense like we we like we 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 bash it mm-hmm. in a sense of using it as fun yeah. stuff. Be like, what are you waiting yeah, for? I, think it- I mean, even the title of this episode is like they don't know that we know <laughs> that they know that we know <laughs> But at the same time, even though as much as we make fun of it and as much as it's used in like gifts and in memes and everything on that end, when you watch it in the film, it's still very much like when that scene comes yeah. up, you really don't like, you don't really like laugh because you're like, oh my God, like, like you said, yeah. she really broke down and you're like, oh shit, like you're, you're, you're in, you're in for it. Like yeah. <laughs> you're intense. And I think, you know, one of the cool things I think that Jennifer Love Hewitt did perfectly was embodying that character of julie from the um, like from the book because she instantly went from this like very you know excited mm-hmm. and bright-eyed you know mm-hmm. future and and you know coming up um girl and then instantly when this happened you could tell her demeanor that the way that she was written the way that she like presented herself and held herself up oh, yeah she was just broken yeah. she was she was devastated she was depressed she had anxiety she had all these different things going through her she had guilt um, and I think Jennifer Love Hewitt did the exact same thing when she came, when we first saw her in the film, she and her four, her, her other three friends are just living the life, you know, they're going to be, you know, the, what, what was it? She was going to be, um, not prom queen. Um, it was like some, the crowd, dude. Okay. Just crown. sorry to say the, <laughs> the freaking part that got me the most was when they're trying to drown the guy <laughs> And he snatches her crown, she's and she's my like, crown. <laughs> "She's not my crown." And Ryan Bear, or what's his name? Fucking Barry Joseph. He's like, "Fuck!" He's like, "God <laughs> damn it! I have to go." Because he's all fighting with this dead guy drowning for the crown. I'm like, "What is this?" Uh, oh my god! You know what? And I've always thought about that too. I was just like, "What? Just leave just it. Who cares the front?" Yeah, I know. And they were like. They're like, bro, but what if like they find the that's body true, and he has true, the that's crown? That's true. That's true. Yeah, I didn't think about and that. I was like, oh shit! You know what? I would be a horrible murderer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. We would have gotten caught so quick. I know. I would have gotten caught so quick. I'd be like, just leave the crown. It's fine. I'll buy you a new one. And we'd be like, yeah, you're right. Let's go. We'll get you a new like, one with mm. the with the crystals with the Swarovski crystals. <laughs> with some of those, with some Swarovski crystals. crystals. Get you one of those nice ones. How's that? How about this? How about this? You like this? <laughs> we'll get you one at the flea market. Okay, just just let it go. Well, this just in: me and Cat could never be murderers. So that's good. That's, <laughs> that's, that's always, good. That's always a good. That's a good thing to always. That's discover. conscience clearing. <laughs> that's conscience clearing. <laughs> I can't go to prison, y'all. I would miss too much. <laughs> He's too pretty have, for have, prison. I am too. Look at me. I can't go to prison. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I have to ask you, Steph. I really do. Maybe yes. we can use this to wrap it up. But so this year, just recently released on Amazon Prime, this new what reboot series. I know what you did last summer reboot it's it's yeah like revamp um what, okay. what do we have yes. to say about it <laughs> amazon prime released it just what was this this week i think right yeah, I they think released so. it uh-huh. um 
And uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I watched it. Uh, I watched the first episode um, yesterday. Um, I went, but I will say this: when I saw the trailer, they showed the the first trailer for it, and I they're like, and we had just picked this book, so I was like, oh my god, that's awesome! Like we can tie yeah. this in. And I watched the trailer. I was like, no. that's shit. I'm not doing that. <laughs> what <laughs> is that like, shit? What? I was like, what is this shit? How dare you? I am so offended. Um, but let me say, I I watched the first episode. I'm not sure what's going on, but I know that I want to, I know I want to continue. Right. Watching. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. it, and, I'm hooked. Yeah. And I'm it's a, a series. Hooked. It's a series for those of you that, um, that yeah. aren't aware. Um, um, it's on Amazon prime. It is a series. Um, how many episodes? Eight episodes. Um, okay. So we got, it released on October 15th with the first four episodes and the rest are debuting on a weekly basis. I believe it's like every Friday is a new episode with for a total of, yeah, eight, eight cool um so i am i am excited about this you know teenagers stalked by a mysterious killer a year after a fatal accident on the night of their graduation uh things are a little bit different this time around Um, the yeah i'm liking how they i'm liking how they take the bare bones of the story and they just twist it they tweak it twist it reshaped it just reshaped it it's a lot trashier it's a lot gorier definitely gen z centric uh it's uh, it's updated yeah um i i had to i i think i wasn't fully paying attention yesterday and i had to like re kind of mm-hmm. like restart it and i might have to do it again just because when i was watching it i was watching i was watching these characters and then the, the main girl came on um lennon or Alice or ally or whatever her name is madison um iceman is the, uh-huh. is the lead and then she popped up again yeah <laughs> and i was like oh yeah wait hold up What's, okay wait, what did i miss so spoilers like, oh she's a sister okay oh Oh, sorry, it's okay. I'm gonna say, okay, so spoilers. Yeah. Towards the end when we started finding out that the nicer sister was the one who actually hit the meaner sister and then yeah. assumed her identity, I was like, Okay, I need to know how this is gonna yeah. play out. Yeah. This the the main question the the million dollar question what was better the book or the movie cat what are your final thoughts on I know what you did last summer okay I usually don't really like this question because it really doesn't matter yeah. to me but in on this topic by far the movie agreed yep I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you on that one I am gonna go forward and say that the film is better than the book in this go around. Um, I think if the characters had been placed in a little bit more um, actual danger in the book from the start, um, or if the killer in the book had played um, with the kids a little bit more, like taunted them, um, really surprised them, I think the book would have probably held up and probably would have been the the better the better choice um, on this on this go around. But um, between these two, I think the um, the the movie did a lot more with um, the thriller aspect of it, the killing aspect of it. Uh, I felt more real fear for people, and um, and I think I think I think it just did it a lot better. So um, when it comes to I know what you did last summer, I'm gonna have to agree with you and go with that the movie was better on this version. I mean, yeah, I mean, and then for me, honestly, like it was really a thrill for me to start the movie and then realize like Sarah Michelle Gellar, Jennifer Love Hewitt, Freddie Prince Jr. um, were all on this movie. Like, I 
I'm, I'm so, and yeah. I apologize once again, like I'm such a new, but I just, I don't think I ever really realized that. So it was, it was a delight to see. I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm finally, finally experiencing this. Like, this is what it must have felt like back then. <laughs> I'm, I'm here now. I have arrived. I'm one of the people now. <laughs> I'm such a dork. I'm such a loser. <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm a loser as well. So it's it's completely fine. Uh-huh. Well, from this group of losers <laughs> to you group of losers, we're happy that you listened to us talk about yeah. I Know What You Did Last Summer. We are excited. Um, stay tuned for our next episode. We are going to be diving deep into DC Fandom, uh, the 24-hour event that celebrates all things dc from comics uh to tv to film and there was a lot of new exclusives and um, drops and some trade oh my some juicy stuff so juicy so we are going to be talking about that on our next episode um our straight from the concession stand um edition so we can't wait to for you to join us there but as always this has been real readers my name's Stev. My name's Kat. Keep your nose in the pages and your eyes on the screen. We will see you back here for this next episode of Real Readers. Bye, y'all. Bye. Hey, Real Readers. Welcome to the credits. Instrumental theme titled Cafe Cubano, used with permission by beat mixer and creator Amin Maxwell. That's A-M-I-N-E-M-A-X-W-E-L-L, Amin Maxwell, on YouTube and SoundCloud. Source credits for sound effects used can be found in the description for this podcast episode. Till next time. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> She's like, hold on. I, know, I remember I know. this. This is a thing. I know this is Unless a thing. Unless I just, this is a fever dream, I guess. <laughs> like you calling me at five o'clock in the morning to tell me that we're not recording this morning. <laughs> that we were, were going to record. <laughs> because somebody named Samantha was just. I was Not like, feeling. who's Samantha? <laughs> yeah, so so right before we started the show, she was like, she goes, listen, I had a dream that you called me last night. And you're like, listen, Samantha. Who, what did you say? Samantha what? Samantha's just not feeling good. Like, y'all went Samantha's to, e- not- so my dream was that they went to emo night. Because last night, Steph and I were like, okay, we're, we can, we're going to record at 7 o'clock Sunday morning to get mm-hmm. this episode out. And like at 5 a.m. this morning, I had a dream that he calls me and he's like, look, we partied too hard at emo night. Samantha's just not feeling well. Like we're going to have to postpone the recording. I was like, Steph, it's all right. Like if we don't get it out tomorrow, that's fine. I'm okay with that. And then my question was like, um, <laughs> who the fuck is Samantha? Who the fuck is Samantha? <laughs> and she's like, I don't know. That's what I dreamed about. <laughs> the worst that i can say <laughs> what's the worst that i can things say? are better if samantha stayed if samantha had stayed it would have been better <laughs> god damn it samantha <laughs> i almost didn't wake up because of that dream we almost really I didn't s- have a samantha almost screwed us over Freaking you know what samantha, samantha if you're listening right now screw you samantha. screw you <laughs>